Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. I like that. I like the smiles I'm seeing. That's good. Smile can go a long, long, long way. Well, we are going to be on a journey, and this is part four of the David series. And this is an important one for all of us to understand. We've been on a journey so far. We, we've talked about God looked at the heart, right? The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And that's what's really, really important. And then we see the rise and fall of the king. And we see how Saul fell. And then we saw how the king rose into position that is happening now with David. And then we saw, well, last week, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's message, you need to do that because how many times we have giants in our life? You know, giants, situations that are hard. Guess what? David took on the giant, so can you. Look at your neighbor and say, so can you. With God's power, with God's help, you can too. Today we want to talk about living in promise in the midst of pressure. Even if God has a call on your life, even though there is um, a promise that God has given you, it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some hardships. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some problems. This is important for all of you. Just look at your neighbor and say, God is with you no matter what. No matter what, God is with you. Uh, I want to. Let's go ahead and um, could you give me the first slide? Thanks. Let's go ahead and let's go to our portion. We're going to be in Samuel chapter 18 today. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2. And let's read it. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Now, you've got to realize this, is, this has just happened. David has just killed Goliath. And so he brings the head and all right before Saul. And they have this conversation And it says here in the next chapter, in the continuation of the narrative, that after David was finished talking with Saul, King Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Now, I want you to understand, Israel received a great victory that day. Why? Because one young man named David had faith and believed that God would help him take down this giant, while a whole army after 40 days did nothing. And all they did is listen to the, uh, this man rise up and insult the armies of God and God himself. And yet this one young man, David, stands up. And then you see him get victory over the giant. And now he has favor with the king's son. And he has favor even with the king. It's amazing how God brought King David, or I say King David, David right now. He's not king yet, but brought David right into the palace to be trained instead of like Saul at 30 years old becoming king with no training. God was going to train and help David become what he needed David to be. Now, one thing you're going to see with Jonathan is Jonathan became very, very close to David. And we're going to be talking about 
his friendship throughout the journey here because I believe that Jonathan was given to David more than David given to Jonathan. Jonathan was given to David because God knew that David needed a Jonathan. And so let's look at three and four. It says this, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now this is big. This is really big, and this happened, we don't know in time frame when it took place, but no doubt David was being David in the kingdom, doing all that he was doing, and somewhere along the line, we don't know exactly in time frame, but it wasn't long before Jonathan recognized God had a plan for David. And so he made a covenant. It was Jonathan that made a covenant. It was an agreement between David and Jonathan, covenants are made between groups of peoples, nations. Covenants is make, they come an agreement. And this is a big one because Jonathan is recognizing God's call on David. He's recognizing that God had called David to be the next king. God had to give him insight. He saw this young man tackle a giant that no one else did. No doubt, no doubt, he saw God was on his his life. And he saw that many, many times. But it's really interesting here is that Saul, at one time, before he was going into battle, he was about to give David his armor. And Saul tried to dress him up in his armor, but it didn't fit. But here we see Jonathan making a covenant, giving him his armor. And guess what David does? He receives it. He didn't receive Saul's armor. Because God was his armor. But he was receiving this covenant because he recognized this was a God thing that the king's son was recognizing who he was. Now I want you to get this because this is important. David and Jonathan shared the same heartbeat. Meaning that they became very close. They both loved each other. And it's really interesting that in verse chapter 18 from verse 1 to 3 you see this verse. He loved him as himself. Two times showing you that Jonathan really saw something different in David. But not only that, they just meshed. They just clicked. It was just, it was like um, something coming together. And it was so helpful for both of them. They both loved the people of Israel. They were ready to defend Israel and die for it, both of them. You know, most people, and we'll talk about this later, but the reason why Jonathan and David got so close is because they went to battle together. They had each other's back. And when someone has your back and someone's in battle with you, they don't leave you when it gets tough. Anybody ever leave you? Here you are, have a situation, you're holding something or you need help, and someone calls them and they got to go and they just leave you high and dry. You're holding the stuff in your hands. You know, you could have a couch in your hand right there. You know what I mean? Hey, gotta go. Uh, Well, that's exactly what happened to David and Jonathan, but Jonathan would not leave David. They both watched each other. They grew together. And because they were in the battle together, well, God was doing a work because David's going to need some help. And he gets that help from Jonathan for many, many years. Both understood God's plan And wanted to be there for each other. This is important. David and Jonathan became really close friends. Because when God gives you one, it is a gift of God. It may be 
seasonal. It may not be seasonal. But nevertheless, there are friends that come into your life for times just when you need it. And there are friends who will stay throughout your life. Uh, let me ask you a question right now. In your mind, how many, how many close friends do you have? Okay, you really have to ask yourself the question because friendship is a gift. Now, I'm going to challenge you this morning. Everybody wants a good friend. Oh, boy, I've heard it over the years and stuff. I've heard a lot, just, just to let you know. Everybody wants a good friend, but here's my challenge for you. How many of you want to be a good friend? It's like that beautiful story that I once heard. A little boy, 10 years old, walking down the street, and he sees this guy, you know, dressed up nice, and he has this beautiful sports car, and he's cleaning it, and it's shiny. It has a beautiful color, beautiful rims. I mean, he had the stereo going. It was beautiful, and the little boy was just in awe of this car. He was like... This is nice, mister. Yeah, he said, my brother gave it to me. Wow, you're lucky. He said, you wish you, you, wish you had a brother like that. He says, no, I wish, I wish I was a brother like that. You see, a lot of times people want the benefit, but how about you being the benefit to somebody else? And this is what exactly Philippians 2 is talking about. So let me challenge you this morning about friendship because we have to realize that the life of Jonathan, Jonathan demonstrates what a real friend looks like. Because most people can't even know what a definition of a real friend because they have even had one. True friends believe in you. They believe in you when sometimes you don't believe in yourself. They just believe in you. They're, they're going to give you words of belief. The uh, true friends see your potential even when you don't see it. They just know you have greater potential. They're always encouraging you. They focus on making us better and bringing out the best in you. This is what a true friend does. When they know everything about you, this is what I really like, when they know everything about you and then they still like you. You know, they see you at your worst, and they see you at the best, and they can't tell the difference. They see, no, they know your flaws, they know your irritations, your aggravations, but they still like you. That's when a person's in it to win it. I like that. They offer you words of strength when you don't have them. They give you help when there's no one around. And it's what's really, I really like is that when we're filled down on ourselves, when we're putting ourselves down, when we don't feel like we have what we need and when we have, there's the ones that give you the words and the help to get you out of your pit. That's what friendship is. They believe in you and their words and their life is life-giving. And they, what they end up doing is empowering you, encouraging you, through their words and their actions. And this is what it really, really comes down to. Because good friends in the course of time are there when you soar. And they love to be there when you soar. But when you crash and burn, are they there? I've gone through some pretty good situations in my life. And I have to be tell you, there were very few people there. Matter of fact, very, very, very few. Very few. Very few. But in the process of that, I have learned one thing. One person who has never left me, who has never, ever, ever disappointed me. And who is that? It's Jesus Christ. He is your rock. He is your best friend. And when, when, when everybody wants to leave because of a situation or of a death or a hardship or whatever it is, and no one wants to enter into that world of pain, guess what? Guess what? Jesus comes right on in and says, yes, son, sit down in the seat. 
And he said, what's on your mind? You see, this is the beautiful thing about friendship. Friendship is not, not, I wish I had. No, no, the real question you should ask is, do I want to be that type of friend? And a lot of times people want, 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 want. But you know what? The Bible says if you want friends, go out and be friendly everywhere and friends will be all around you. Jonathan was this type of real friend. The poet Ralph Emerson said this, I didn't find my friends. God, the good Lord, gave them to me. When Jonathan made this covenant with David and handed him his royal robe and his tunic and his armor and his sword and his belt and his bow, he was yielding his throne over to David. Willingly. Someone say willingly. This is huge. He is not seeing David as a threat. He is not seeing David as a problem, but he is actually seeing David as what God is doing because the bottom line, the bottom line, rather than being envious and jealous, Jonathan submitted to God's will and sacrificed his own right to the throne. Now, I, I don't know what I think Jonathan would, God knows, because God knows the heart, but I thought Jonathan would have been a great geek. I really do. But in God's sovereignty and in God's knowing all things, that wasn't the case. Because Jonathan showed incredible um, characteristics. So let's look at verse 5 here for a second. Whenever Saul sent him to do, whenever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's offices as well. Most people believe that he became a general at a very, very young age. So I want you to understand, after defeating Goliath, he receives favor from everyone. Jonathan became quickly with his spirit and, a, and someone close to him, loved him as himself, gives him a covenant and says, you know what, I'm yielding my life I'm giving over to you the kingdom by giving you the armor, giving you all the things that come with royalty. Saul kept David with him, didn't let him go home anymore. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it was such a great thing because someone say David had favor. The grace of God and the favor of God was on his life. The soldiers loved him. Everybody loved him. The people were glad. Someone say he's in a good spot right now. I mean, he has the promise of God and he is in a good spot. But how many know seasons change? How many know seasons change and when they change, you have to adjust to the change. And now he has to live his life from this point forward that knowing he has the promise, but also understanding now he has to live with the pressure around him. And so look what happens. Verse, verse 6 to 9. When the men were turning home after David had killed the Philistines, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and with lyres. As they danced, they sang. And how they would sing is they would alternate it. So one would say one part and someone else would say another part. And they just made the song up. Saul has slain his thousands. And then someone else said, and David has slain his ten thousand. 
Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. He was upset. He was not a happy camper. They have credited David with 10,000, he thought, but me with only a 1,000. What more can he get but the kingdom? And now watch verse 9. Verse 9 is major. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, this is what's really, really important for all of us to understand. Because this song rocked the world of Saul and David and many more people. It was common for the women to come out after a victory. They would celebrate. They had something to celebrate because now they had their freedom. They were no longer taken over by another nation. It was something to celebrate that God had given victory. And so they would dance and they would sing and they would have a great time giving honor and praise. However, when they sung the song, Saul has slain his thousand and David his ten thousand, something happened in Saul. The song itself birthed forth hatred, jealousy, and insecurity. And whenever you have insecurity and jealousy, hatred is right behind it. And what happened here is something that changed the life and the lives were changed by a song. And people used to tell me all the time, it don't matter. I like the song. But I said, you ever listen to the words? The words are bad. I don't listen to the words. Well, this is one song that Saul listened to the words. Words mean something. King Saul found it insulting. They have given David a greater status. By doing that, it was saying David was more popular than the King Saul. But you know what's funny? Is that they didn't even give King Saul the right title. They didn't say King Saul has killed his thousands. No, they just said Saul. Everything about that song brought disdain to the king because he wasn't number one. And this is the funny thing about it, that he had already been told that the kingdom was going to be ripped from his hand, ripped from it, it was no longer going to survive. But this is what happens. People try to hold on to something so hard that they actually cause it to destroy themselves because they try to hold on to something and control things and full of hatred and jealousy and insecurity, and they actually destroy the very thing that they have. I want you to understand something. I was going to bring to you a bunch of seeds. This is a mango seed. In every seed, there's a pod. And so this big pod has a seed in it. And when, if I was to put this seed under the right circumstance, under the right conditions, it would grow. And we would grow a mango tree. And I love mangoes. The thing is, I keep this seed. Because this seed is a potential. Matter of fact, if I could have a bunch of these seeds, I would hand them out today and I would put your name on it. Because you are a seed. And you have to decide where you're going to plant yourself or you're going to have to plant, uh, decide what seeds you're going to allow in your life. Today, I'm going to take this seed and I'm going to say this seed is a seed of jealousy, anger, hatred, insecurity. This was a seed that Saul chose to plant into his heart. It was a seed that he chose, even knowing what God had said, but refused to listen to it and took everything into his own reins to do what he wants to do. And because 
he saw what God was doing and did not like it. Instead of doing what Jonathan did, his son, no, no, his father did just the opposite. His father decided to take the seed of jealousy and hate and place it within the heart. You see, seeds have names and these seeds have a harvest. And because of the seed that Saul planted in his heart, he broke a harvest. And this deteriorated him his whole entire life. I want you to get this. This one seed on this one day after listening to one song, that one choice, the one willing choice to say, you know what? I'm going to be bitter and angry because no one's going to take my kingdom. And the reason that he did that he ruined, lost everything because the seed of hatred, jealousy, and insecurity. And this seed was in here because this seed has a name, but it also has a harvest. Hate, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, greed, gossip, envy, selfishness, immorality, addiction, dissension. These are all seeds that will bring hatred and will bring discord, will bring hurt to your life. You have to choose yourself, choose for yourself. What seed are you going to plant in your heart? Then again, you can also choose to take a seed of love and peace and kindness and forgiveness and confidence and giving and being trustworthy and content and generous and moral and control and respectful and put that in your heart. It's a choice. Saul chose wrong. The seed of jealousy poisoned his relationship with David. He loved David. He brought him into this house. He wanted David to sit at this supper table. He wanted to share a meal with. But because he so chose to put the seed deep in his heart, he ruined every relationship he had, even with his own son. Poisoned the relationship with David. And from that point on, until he died, that seed separated him, not only from those horizontally, but God himself vertically. You never see Saul humbling, humbling himself. You never see Saul actually thinking. And if he does, it's for the short period of time where he says, David, I've sinned. But then he's right back doing the same thing over again. There's no change in his heart. There's no change because, see, the seed keeps being feed. And when you feed a seed, it grows, it grows, it grows. And before you know it, you're destroying the very thing that God's gift has given unto you. Because Jonathan was surrounded, or I should say surrendered to God, he allowed God to do what God was going to do. He knew David was destined to become the next king. And he was willing to set his own ambitions and his own wants aside for the will of God. Isn't it amazing two people under the same pressure? You would think, you would think that it would have been the Jonathan that would have been jealous. Because he's supposed to be king. He has all the power. You, you know, you would think it would be Jonathan, but it wasn't. It wasn't Jonathan. It was Saul. Philippians, this is a beautiful scripture, one of my life scriptures. I always try to implement it whenever I can because I love it. It says this, Philippians chapter 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Watch this now. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Wow. 
Wow. Hold on, let me give the Greek version. Wow, wow. To really understand this, but humility consider others better than yourself. Let's look at verse 10 and 11. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp. And as he usually did, Saul had a spear in his hand, as David usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. David eluded him twice. I want you to get this. This is an important part. Someone say next day. The first day he hears the song. And instead of recognizing it, he takes jealousy and insecurity and hatred and, and he gets an evil eye. Uh, everything he sees, he sees through the evil eye. He can't see anything else because of the evil eye. It's always going through the eye. Because it goes through the eye, he cannot see what he needs to see because it's always going through that own, his own eye that's already jealous, already full of anger, already insecure. And so... He gets the seed, he puts it in. The next day, you see how fast the seed can grow? From the next day of jealousy, an eye of jealousy, and now he wants to pin him to the wall. He wants to commit murder in one day. Do you see how seeds that are hurtful and harmful can really get a hold of our hearts? And someone say, all our hearts. There is no one exempt from this. Nobody. We are all in the, in the area that if we're not careful, we can take a seed and plant it in our heart and call us self-righteous and give us a reason why we're acting the way we do. And yet we are not acting the way God has acted or has taught us to act. Someone say amen. So the next day, the next day, because he's feeding on these negative thoughts. And let me tell you something. That's one of the things. When I have my moments of words that are not positive, I put myself in prayer. And I'm just sharing this with you. I put myself in prayer to readjust my heart so that I line my heart up with the heart of God. Because if you and I stay in the room long enough with our own negative thoughts, we will build a house and we will fortify it and we will do everything just the opposite of what God wants sometimes. I have a reason. They should have never. And we give ourselves excuses. And yet we go back to the cross when Jesus was on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. So we have a lot to learn until that moment we come into the presence of God. So because he's feeding on his negative thoughts, he's feeding his spirit, spirit of jealousy, because it is a spirit. These negative seeds are spirits, influences that we choose to accept. Nothing gets in the heart unless you accept it. You willingly accept it. Because of his own insecurities, because of his own falls, because of this. And it's amazing how hard we can be with ourselves. But, you know, Jesus, if you sat with him, probably wouldn't be as hard as you are on yourself. But he would require you to do what you know you need to do. 
the evil spirit is upon him. And now he wants to kill David. So he's prophesying. And most likely when the evil spirit came upon him, he was probably prophesying things about future and the, the evil. And no doubt this was this prophesying had to be induced by the evil spirit that had come upon him. And it's also you've got to keep in check. He has a javelin in his eye. When's the last time you went to prayer and you brought your sword with you? Not your Bible. <laughs> or a javelin. You could see he was already angry. You know, uh, you ever have somebody, like, they're mad, and so they're just, like, stabbing something. You know, maybe they have a fork, and they're just stabbing the table with it. Or, uh, if, Come on, I, I've seen it plenty of times. I've seen people upset, and they're just like, oh, they're right, and they're scratching something into a table or something, or... It's all their aggression is, is there. And, and no doubt David is, you know, with Saul. And now Saul wants to kill him. But David protects him. Someone say David, God protects David. God protects David. In the midst of this moment. Now watch this now. David is there to help the king. David is there to help him. But Saul can't see that. All Saul sees is what Saul sees through his jealous eye. And he wants to kill the very thing that's trying to help him. And so often, and I've seen this in families so often, that sometimes we actually kill our own family members, and they're the ones that are there to help us. Look at verse 12 and 6. This is powerful. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. You see that? This is important to understand. Saul knew exactly what was happening, but wasn't going to yield to what God was doing. And when we don't yield to what God is doing, we bring havoc to our life. If we don't yield to what God's trying to do in us. Someone say me. Someone say me. Yeah, you got to admit, it's what is God doing in me? Stop looking at other people. What is God doing in you? I don't look this way. I'm always looking here and then here and then here in that order. Saying, God, what are you trying to say to me? I listen and then I try to get some type of insight. So he sent David away from him and gave him, I love this, and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. Someone say favor. Yeah. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. So Saul finally says, you know what? I'm going to get David out of my sight. I'm going to go put him into the Philistines. Hopefully the Philistines are going to kill him. But everything David did, God blessed him. It's like Joseph. Joseph is in a, a strange land, but everything Joseph did, he, it was God blessed him. Ah. Mm. David had favor with the Lord. But David had trials, and he's in trials right now, but yet he has the promise of God, the favor of God. I want you to get this. Because sometimes when we have problems, we think, you know, why did God allow the problem to come? Why do I have this problem? And we always think that the problem is because of us. 
Do you know the problem can be because of you? It can be, yes. It can also be a problem that's just a problem because we live in a fallen world. Remember, it's not your problem that is your main problem. It's how you handle the problem that becomes your major problem. And if you do not handle a problem rightly, it will become the major problem. It's never the problem. It's always how we handle the problem that becomes the major problem. Let me share something with you. And I like this. And I'm going to do something with this in the future. In Scripture, when you have the Lord's favor, there is a certain word throughout Scripture that God constantly says in the Scripture. It's this. We find the first one in 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is when Samuel was, uh, Saul was anointed by Samuel. And Samuel says to Saul, after he is anointed, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. I want you to get this. When we really know God is with us, you can do great things. But we don't do great things because we sometimes think God's not with us. Because pick a reason. David was really going to the battle. The Saul, the prophet, said, wait a minute. After all these wonderful things take place, the Spirit of God's going to come on you. You're going to prophesy. You're going to be transformed into a different man. And put, whatever you put your hands to, God's going to cause it to prosper. Wow. You think there's any difference between the God that David served and our God? If you've got favor with God, you've got promise of God, you've got his grace in your life, you can do great things for God. The problem is, the problem is we don't feel like we can because we're always looking at our physical abilities, not our spiritual God. I'm going to leave that one alone and give you another one. When you have the Lord's favor, 1 Chronicles 17, 1 and 2 says this. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan, the prophet, Here I am living in the palace of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, the prophet of God, Whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. When you have the favor of God in your life, God will bless you. It's just you got to have that David mentality of just doing what needs to do. Do what's supposed to be right. Someone say amen. Let, let me know you're alive. Let me just share this with you before I conclude on a few notes. If I was to ask you a question, do you, do you ever struggle with jealousy or insecurity, times of fits of anger? Let me ask you another question. Does it ever make you happy? Everybody goes through seasons of life. So the first question you'll probably answer, yeah, I probably had some times that I feel insecure and jealous or I get a little bouts of anger because of a situation or a circumstance. But ask the second question. Answer that one. Does it ever make you happy? And that's going to be no. It's never going to make you happy. Because love is what really unites others. And I just want to bring this out, a few things here. When you choose to love, love brings people closer together. But, but when you choose jealousy, it will drive apart every good that's there. Because the seed gets bigger and bigger and everything you see through life is through the seed. That negative seed or whatever it may be of anger, jealous, um, insecurity, hurt, unforgiveness. The list goes on and on and on. You see, it will never make you happy because the only way you're going to be happy is happy in Jesus. <laughs> There's a truth to that song. 
So when you choose love, love brings people closer together. When you choose anything else but love and those beautiful things of Galatians chapter 5, the good list, great things take place because love makes you seek unity with other, others. Love makes you put others before yourself, Philippians 2. But jealousy prevents you from taking pleasure in other people's success. Because why? You, you can't rejoice in someone's success. You ever share something good with someone and you're excited about it and you share something with them and right after you're done, they change the subject to something else they never heard of a thing you say. And I say to myself, I'm never going to share anything with that person anymore because they don't listen to what I have to say. They're not interested in my victories, so I'm not going to share them no more. And, I, and that's not true with me. I will do that. If you, if you can't listen to a victory that I'm in and can't rejoice with me, that tells me then, you know, um, you're not interested. And you're not interested. I don't want to waste anybody's time anymore. I'm like, hey, I only want to talk to someone who's interested in, in, my, in the victories if I want to share it with a person. Jealousy robs you of the joy of your own success. Jealousy will make you lash out and strike at others. Why? Because, see, when hurting people are hurting, what do they do? They hurt people. But if we can take the love of God and really start to think of others, and we all need practice in that. Raise your hand if you need practice in that. Yeah, my hand's up too. We all need practice in that. And those that didn't raise your hands, you're lying. So how do, how do we walk in the favor of God? How do we walk in the favor of God? You know, I ask myself this because if there's one thing I want to walk in God's favor, I don't want to just waste my life and just go through, get up in the morning, do a few things, lay my head down to sleep, and yeah, I lived another day. I want to, me, me, I want to impact another day. I want it to be full. I want it to be meaningful. Does any, anybody in the house bear witness with that? Thank you. <laughs> Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. I want you to understand this. We talked about this on on small group on Wednesday. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. If you want the favor of God, if you really want God on your side, then you really want to just walk in his ways and do what's right. Did I say perfect? Did I say perfect? Did anybody say perfect? No, I didn't say perfect, did I? It's a desire. With David perfect. Come on, with David perfect. Was Peter perfect? Yeah. Was Paul perfect? No, nobody's perfect. But the heart desire within the vessel, the heart of it to, to get it right, you know, God sees the heart, which is the heart of the matter. How do we walk in the favor of the Lord? Isaiah 66, 2, look what it says. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But, but this is one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. A person who's quick in their repentance. Recognize they had fault and yield the fault. Don't blame the fault, but yield the fault. And then has a reverence for God and his word. Let me give you eight different things real quick. You can write these down. God seeks out those who love him and love his command so that he can bless, guide, and protect them. If you want the favor of God... 
God seeks out those who love him. It's that simple. When you love someone, you can tell by your words, you can tell by your actions. Someone can tell if you love them really quick. It's not an event. Love is not an event. Love is not like something that just pops up. Love is something that's seen. It's grafted into the day, to the life. It's love is because love does. Psalms 37. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Watch this now. You got to get this. Though he stumble. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What did I say? Though he stumble. Is that perfect? Did anybody hear perfect there? He delights on the man's way. He makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. What is that? Because God sees the heart that he wants to bless the person. And guide, 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 and protect. Number two, if you want to walk in God's favor and God's grace, those who walk in favor of God's grace of God knows God. That God is with them. Nothing can happen to them apart from his good pleasure. You have to realize this. That sometimes there are some things comes your way. Jesus understood it. Look what Jesus went through. Look what the disciples went through. Look what Paul went through. There are things that take place in our life that's difficult and it's hard. But Romans 8.28 reminds us, and we know, and we know that in all things, not for all things, but in all things, God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. He still has a purpose. You need to believe in the purpose of God. It will change the way you think and change the way you live. Someone say, I have purpose. Now look at your neighbor and tell him, you have purpose. (laughs) Those who love and walk with God see God as the Lord and their closest friend. This is huge. See, God is my friend. He's not like, he's my friend. He literally is my friend. I take John 15 literally. I take John 14 literally. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. If I love someone, we're going to be tight. Amen? Because love does. You can't say, I love you, but hey, yeah, I'm not going to help you. You can't say, yeah, I love you, but uh, I don't want to touch it. I I love you, but it's too heavy for me to lift. Uh, I love you, but yeah, I'll do this for you, but I'm not doing that. I am not changing your socks. Because that's what love, that's what I hear from love. People say, I love and then but. I love you, but. There's no buts in love. It's just love does. Number four, you want the favor of God. Those who seek God's word and want to do right before him carry a humble heart. God hears and responds to them. 2 Kings 22, 19. This is important that we need. God wants us to have a desire for him. Chasing after God. How do you, how, you know, when you, you got a boyfriend and girlfriend, when you guys were younger and some of you, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, you, or you're looking for this, you're chasing something because you love it or you want it. What, are you chasing God? Are you still chasing God? Are you still trying to chase God, learn about God? Are you still chasing the things you love? It challenges me. I'm sharing with you the things I talk to myself about. And then I ask even more questions to it. Well, if I am chasing God, how am I chasing you? Then I ask this question. Well, what am I doing? What grade do I get if there is a grade? Is there room for improvement? And if there is, where is that room for improvement? 
Because I just don't want to go through the motions. Talk is cheap. Action speaks louder than words. Number fifth one. Those who seek the Lord, who he is, and not for the blessing he gives. This is huge. Because, boy, I tell you what, I understand that. I remember when I had a little sustenance and I had a lot of toys when I was younger. All the kids and guys and friends of mine used to love to hang with me because I would do cool things. I would just go baharm with trucks or take my motorcycles and dirt bikes and go jump in places. And everybody, yeah, everybody's right there for the fun stop. Everybody's in it for the fun. But when something breaks down, your bike breaks down, your truck breaks down, whoop, there they go. I share the story plenty of times, but it, I always remember the time that I was baharing with, it wasn't big hills, it was just little hills, but somehow I caught my, uh, at that time, with like a little over $250 tire, every tire was about $250, with big giant tires and big truck, and I pinched a rock and blew my tire out. And, and uh, had a couple people in the car, and another friend said, oh, bummer. I said, yeah, bummer. I had an extra spear. Of course, I carried a spear with me and stuff. And the, one of my friends, who I thought was a best friend, goes up to my other friend in the other truck. He said, what you guys doing? So we're going to go, we're going to go bar her on this place here. We're going to, hey, can I come? Here I am left with a flat tire all by myself, right? You really learn real quick, real quick right there that sometimes people are right there for the blessings, but they're not in there. For the long term. And God, we can't feed God just because we want something from God. We've got to be relational. It's about loving God. Someone say amen. That's how we really get favor with God. God sees our heart. It's like the people who are following Jesus because Jesus gave them some bread. The scripture says right there that they were just following Jesus because they wanted another free meal. Let's move on. Number six, when we arrange our lives around loving Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength, that's just the bottom line that Jesus commands us to do, to love God that way. All heart, all soul, all mind, all strength, that's how you get favor with God, the grace of God in your life in a very spectacular way. And when, number seven, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what does it say after that? And all those things shall be added unto you. God's going to look at your heart we got to be careful of the seed. Saul lost it. Saul lost it. Number eight, one way to attain favor from the Lord is to seek wisdom. I love this portion of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 8. It says this, For those who find me, wisdom, find life and receive favor from the Lord. You want favor of the Lord then it's found in the word of God. It's found in God himself. When we look at even the end of chapter 18, it says in the bottom of chapter 18 that to the day Saul died, he was jealous of David. He was always doing something to bring hurt or harm to David because of the seed. I want you to understand this is a big deal in the world we live in. We live in a very angry world today. You don't even have to do anything wrong and someone will yell at you. Or someone will 
you could do what's right, they do what's wrong, and they're going to still yell at you because there's so much road rage out there today. Why is that? We have so much crime and so much pain out there. Why is that? It's very simple. Our breakdown of our family that's taken place, young people not having what they need to grow up with, and the enemy of their soul wants to plant seeds in them to bring hurt and harm. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how does he do that? By planting seeds. David had the promise of God, but now his pressure of life is now going to be for some duration of time. And even when he now becomes king, he's still under much pressure because of the position itself. So your pressure doesn't go away just because you're serving God. But I tell you, what can come is real favor of God, a real belief, a real knowing who God is. Because just as God gave David a Jonathan, your Jonathan first has to be your Jesus. He has to be your best friend. Until he's your best friend, he really can't, if he's not, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way that I think I like to put it in a better vernacular. In order, you can't have him as your religion. You have to have him in a relational as your best friend. If you look at God as a religion, you'll never get close to him. But when you take God into every situation, Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge him, bring him into the situation. What's the promise? He'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll direct your path. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know where those watching online, but we have to be careful for the seeds. Those here today, you've got to be careful for the seeds. What seed are you going to plant in your heart? This one seed planted in Saul's heart messed up the life of Saul even more than it was messed up. Not only that, but it messed up the life, his relationship with his own son. It messed up so many decisions because this one seed destroyed not just him, but destroyed relationships. But then again, the same seed, or I should say another seed that Jonathan had, was a seed to do the will of God. That seed was planted in Jonathan, and he wasn't jealous, he wasn't envious. He was all lined up. And later on in the scripture, you'll hear this from Jonathan. You'll be the king and I will be there right with you. That's what Jonathan thought would happen. God did have other plans. But what are we going to do in life? How are you going to affect, how are you going to let the seeds affect you? It's a real question for all of us that we have to answer. And I just want to say this. If you want the grace of God and the favor of God, there's choices. If you want to have a close relationship, God, there's choices. Those choices could be called seeds. Every relationship takes effort, takes time. People always complaining, complain, complain. I've heard it all my life, complaining, people complaining, but they don't like, and they're like, but they don't do anything. They don't change anything. They don't change them. They stay with the seed that they want in their heart. If they only knew, if they only knew that God wanted to take the seed out and place it with another seed that would bring joy and peace and hope and life and laughter 
and help, strength and forgiveness. If they only knew the seeds that God had, but they don't want to take that seed out that's hurting them. They don't want to take, they don't want to deal with it. Saul didn't want to deal with it. And that's where we run into problems in life. Can you stand to your feet for a second? I want to just challenge you today. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, those watching online, that the Spirit of God would speak to you as well as well as those here, that you would really start to really seriously ask the questions. Ask the questions. Simply is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you brought the seed of faith into your heart and life? Is faith, your faith in Jesus Christ, everything? Because he so loves you. He came to earth to die for you. And this is the process. From the lineage of David comes the Messiah. What we're talking about in the series of David really is a, is a foundation to what God's going to do in the future. God was thinking of your future, your future, way before it actually happened. Because God's still concerned about your future. Even today, he's still concerned about you. But you have to be careful what seeds we put in our heart and life. What attitudes. An attitude could be a seed. You have to ask yourself because whatever you feed, it grows. So I want you to close your eyes with me. And first of all, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, that's the first thing I want you to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Everybody has sinned. All has fallen short of the glory of God. But God had come through his son, Jesus Christ, to give you life and life abundantly. And when he died on the cross, on the third day, he rose again. He defeated death, sin, and the grave, and he did it for you. Did it for you. I want you to get this. I want you to get this, how much he loves you. You need to make him savior of your life. Second, second, I want you to ask yourself, what seeds do you have in your heart right now? I'll just name a few to help. Seeds of anger, seeds of jealousy, seeds of hurt. Seeds of stubbornness, seeds of unforgiveness, seeds of just bad attitude, seeds of negativity, seeds of doubt, seeds of pain of your past. What are you feeding that's preventing you from becoming everything God has for you? And if you can honestly say right now, right now, there's a seed that you want to be removed from your heart, from your life. Raise your hand right where you are. Yes, 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 yes. The way we deal with the seeds is a choice of the will. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to bring the seed in and it's a choice to get rid of it. It always is volition because your volition is your future. How you choose is what usually takes place afterwards. What you groom It's what you grow. Father, I pray right now, I want you to place that seed in your hand and raise it before God. Those online, if there's a seed in your life that you say, I no longer want it to be part of it, I want you to right now lift it before the Lord. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the seed of worry, the seed of just uncontented, Father, whatever it is, right now, as they raise their hands, as you, those by line, raise their hands. God, I pray right now you would break this, those, that, that bondage. You would break the seeds that have control. Lord, I pray for a new thought, new process. I pray, right, God, we take these seeds and no longer, Father, would it be fertile ground. Right now, we take it off, Lord, and we plant your seed, God, the, the word of life. 
in our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Father, as they denounce these seeds, Lord, they surrender them seeds to you. They no longer carry the pain of path. They no longer carry the addiction of heart. They no longer, Father, carry the doubt that you can't, the doubt that you won't. Father, that they would raise up faith, trust you, walk in faith. God, right now I ask, will you do a work in their hearts? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.